Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. I'm so glad you guys are here. We want to welcome everybody joining us online also. We're glad that you decided to, to be with us this morning. Thank you, Montana. Thank you to the worship team. We are a blessed church to have um, such amazing worshipers in our, in our congregation. Um, but, but, you know, I've led worship. I've been a worship pastor I've, for many years. I did that. Um, one of the hardest things to do as a worship leader is, is to lead worship and nobody enters in with you. But what makes worship amazing at this church is I was standing at the back and I'm looking and I can just see everybody engaging. That's the purpose of the worship is for all of us to engage in it. And, and if um, I love what the Bible says, you are to your praise and to your worship, like, like gold is to, to fire, right? The more you get to the, the refiner's fire part, so the more you get to the center of it, the harder it gets. The more you stay on the side, the further you stay from the center, the colder it is. And, but the more you get, how does gold get purified? It gets purified by heating it up, cleaning it out, heating it up. Cleaning. So that's what worship is, is us stepping into God's presence. And every Sunday is an opportunity for us to do that, to say, God, you know, there's things in my life that I know it's not from you. Um, there are fears that I have. There, there are, there are um, things that's going on. There might be um, brokenness. There might be hurt. There might be depression. Whatever it might be in your life. And every Sunday you have an opportunity to step into God's presence and say, I just surrender it to you. Burn it away. Like, get rid of it. Um, and I see that here. And I, I want to commend all of you for stepping into God's presence. And, and I want us to do that more. I want to encourage you to do that even more. Don't, don't, you're not here to worship people. Uh, you're here to worship God. It's between you and Him. Um, even if you can't sing, Ali. Um, no, I didn't mean, I didn't say Alison. I said Ali. If you can't sing in an Ali, you can sing Sing here loud, go for it. <laughs> go for it. Like, like just worship God, praise Him, go for it. Um, this is the environment to do it. And for those watching online and those of you who are at home, I know it's, it's definitely, um, we don't have praise and worship on our service there. I want to invite you to come back to church. Um, come back to the body. Um, come back and be part of a body. If you have friends or family members or people that are home, invite them back in. Tell them the time to gather is now. Uh, it's time to be together as a body of Christ. So I want to encourage you to do that. Um, Life Step is right after the service. Just those of you that have signed up for Life Step, we're going to go down the hall and you'll, you'll see um, where we'll be meeting. And I want to encourage you to, to join us there for those of you that have signed up. Um, okay, so, so we are in a series um, and the series is called Elijah. And, and for me, it is, I really felt that, that this is the time uh, where God wants us to reflect on, on um, I call him the underdog, because if you look at his life, uh, he, it was him against everybody almost the whole time. I love the underdog story. Um, but like, if there's two teams, if, if there's not one specific that I'm supporting, I'll support the underdog. I want the underdog to win. I don't want the favorite to win. It's, it's like, if there's like, if, you know, if, if you had to put uh, a bet down on, on two, one of the two teams, even though I know it's 500 to one, I'm going to pick the underdog. Um, just because I, I like the underdog too. And Elijah's life is this amazing story um, of, of this alone person. Now, a prophet, for those of you that don't know, I know there's many of you that don't know necessarily the Old Testament and, and everything that happened in the Old Testament. So you, you might know the New Testament, you know, from, from Matthew onwards, you've read that. But in the Old Testament, there were prophets. And the purpose of the prophet, the primary role of the prophet was in the Bible, uh, he had to speak on God's behalf. So, so when the prophet showed up, like Elijah, and, and there's, there's Samuel, and there's Micah, and Ezekiel, and Jeremiah, and Isaiah, there are many prophets in the Bible. Well, when they came onto the scene, the purpose was for them specifically to speak a word that God had for His people. So, so God would speak to them and say, I want you to go do this. I want you to go speak. And most of these words were, were really hard. It was confrontational. 
it was difficult to speak because you go against kings and nations and towns and cities and go to Nineveh, Jonah. Um, you know, you have to go speak. And most of the time, it's a word of correction. Now, I want you to know that when we speak the word of God, every single one of us here, you have the opportunity to speak the word of God into your life which means you can prophesy into your life. How do we know what we can prophesy into to our lives? We look at God's word because it doesn't change. So when God says he's for me, you can say God's for me, he's not against me. You are prophesying over your own life. You're speaking God's word. And there's tremendous amount of power because we believe that our father has given us this mandate to step out in faith and to take him on on his word. So you can prophesy into your own life. And I want to encourage you to do that. So, so the prophets, they were like megaphones. Um, and just to, uh, just to clarify, the last doomsday prophets that they were in the Bible was Micah. Or John the Baptist, really. Was, which was the last one of that kind. After that, Jesus Christ died. Now, now the prophetic word has changed. God no longer calls on one person to speak to the whole nation. He speaks to the whole nation. You have access to him. Okay, so, so I just want that to, if you don't know what a prophet is, that was a prophet. So he was in the Old Testament, he was like a megaphone, um, declaring whatever God commanded him to declare. This is what God is saying. Now, most of the time they were very alone. They, they were on their own when they were doing things. So Elijah has to speak a word to Israel, to, to the Jewish nation. And we spoke about that last week. He, he said to them, listen, it's not going to rain. The reason it's not going to rain is because I said so. And the reason I'm saying so is because God told me to say so. And the reason why God is telling me to say so and why I'm saying it is because you are worshiping idols. And God says, I will not share you. I will not have you depend on anything else to be the source in your life. So, so they started worshiping this nation. and This is God's nation. And we have to get this. God chose them. I still believe today Israel and the Jewish nation is God's chosen nation. That hasn't changed. So God chose them, but they decided we're not going to choose God anymore. We're going to go to other gods. And what was so, so amazing is that the king... Jerob, I'm going to struggle to say it again. I'm just going to spell it. J-E-R-O-B-O-A-M. So you guys can say it. Thank you. Jeroboam. Jeroboam. Is that right? So Jeroboam, he was a king, the first king when Israel was divided in two. And God said to him, listen, if you follow my instructions, you're going to have the legacy like David had. That is an amazing legacy. When we think of King David, he said, you can have that. But he turned the nation towards idol worship. And now Ahab, he said, okay, now the whole nation's going to worship idols also. And they worship two specific idols, Baal and Asherah. Here's an image of them. That's kind of what they, they found of, of idol worship if you had to figure out what they look like. Now, they, Baal was the god of fire. She was the god of fertility. But these two together, they worshiped because of the power and the fertility that they wanted. They wanted to be a prosperous nation. So, so Asherah and Baal became their idols. Now, what is an idol? An idol can be defined as an unauthorized noun. Person, place, or thing. Anything that is unauthorized, that you depend upon as the source for your life. God should be our source, but God uses resources in our lives. Right? So these people depended on Asherah and Baal to be the source for their, for their well-being, for their prosperity. And that is illegitimate in God's eyes. Now, when you understand that the biblical definition for, for, when we understand the biblical definition for idolatry, then I hope you understand that you could be sitting right here today in church, right after worship, having your hands up, and you can be an idol worshiper. We can be idol worshipers in this place. Because God is not our source. We're depending on so many other things to get us somewhere that God is not the one that we are depending primarily on. Instead of having resources, they become our source. So we can be sitting in church um, and God is not our source. So here's, a, 
here's something which, which I just want all of us to remember. In everything that we do, wherever we go, we should resemble Jesus. And that's what God is calling us to do. He wants us to resemble Jesus. So, so last week, we saw something um, of the supernatural activity in Elijah's life. Remember, there were supernatural things that happened. And the reason we looked at the supernatural activity in, in Elijah's life is because God says you can have that supernatural activity in your life also. You can, God, you can have God actually coming into your life and the supernatural things that happen to him if he's your source, if you follow his instruction, those supernatural activities can be in your life also. What, what were the supernatural activities in Elijah's life? He said, no rain, rain stopped. God told him to go to a brook where he can get water. And he said, listen, ravens are going to deliver food to you every day. Remember, what, are you, what can you remember about ravens? Unclean birds. God says, don't touch them. Don't eat them. They are unclean. Have nothing to do with the ravens. And what I loved about that is that God can even use things that are unclean to provide resources for those who are following Him, which is for me a powerful thing. Don't, don't box God in to think how He's going to supply. We serve a supernatural God that can use anything. Um, so then He went to, to the widow and the oil um, ran up and, and we, couldn't, we didn't get there last week and the flour never, the oil didn't run down or run up and the flour didn't um, run out. And as long as the drought was there, God provided supernaturally for Elijah and for the widow and for the child. But now we are in chapter 18, which for me is like, one day when I get to heaven, I would be like, God, can I, if there's anything that I want to see in like real life experience, can you replay this scene for me? Because I think this was one of the most amazing scenes we find in the Bible. Now, as I said last week, what's so interesting about Elijah's life, he's not just written about in, in the Torah or in the old, he's, he's in the Mishnah, he's in the Quran. These events are historically documented. He's one of the most respected prophets in most of the religions we have in the world today. So these events are documented. It's not just stories. These things are things that actually happened, which for me makes it powerful. So in chapter 18, we get now to the place where Elijah, okay, it's been the drought. He's been with the widow. He raised the son from the dead. Now Elijah's going to confront the king again. And in 1 Kings 18 verse 17, he says, And when Ahab saw Elijah, so Elijah decides I'm going to go to the king when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is this you, you troubler of Israel? In other words, you're getting on my nerves. Ahab says, Listen, is this you, Elijah? You bringing all this trouble to Israel. Elijah, it's your fault because you said it's not going to rain. And Elijah responds in verse 18. He says, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house. They have, because you have forsaken the commandment of the Lord and you have followed the Baals. You followed the idols. It's your fault. Elijah is not concerned about being politically correct with the king. He's not a well king. Yeah, I'm so sorry about yesterday. I'm sorry for whatever. He's like, no, no, it's your fault. You're the reason. So, so he says, Ahab, you have brought this about because of your pursuit of idolatry. You've caused the heavens to shut down. It's no longer raining. The culture is in trouble because of your pursuit of other gods. One of the reasons, one of the reasons you're seeing all of this chaos around us in the world in, in our culture and in our country is because we've forsaken God. Listen, I, I, I don't, what we are experiencing today, I believe is God saying, you don't want me? You don't want me? Let me get out of the way. And let me show you what life is like without me. 
You don't want me? Sure. And so we have the consequence of the removal of God. God is being removed from government. He's being removed from, from schools. God is being removed from the biblical definition of what marriage is. God is being removed from cities. You can't even open a prayer with prayer at a football game or a baseball game or a hockey game anymore. And when God is removed from culture, that means you've created space. When you remove something, let's say if, if there's something here on stage and it is removed, everything is packed in. If I remove something, a new space is created. And what happens is when, when our source is removed, an idol steps in. And the thing about the idol that stepped in, there's consequence that automatically comes with it. The consequences that, that build up in that environment where we've removed God, morality is gone. That, that's what's happening in the world. It's lost. The value of life is lost. It's not life yet. Love redefined what's convenient and practical. Sex redefined. And this is what's happening in Israel also. This is what they were experiencing. They were experiencing life without God. Because now they, they were praying for fertility to prosper, to do well. And suddenly God is removed from that situation. And an idol steps in. And when idols and the devil come, what is his purpose? Steal, kill, and destroy. And Israel is experiencing it. So Elijah says, now, <laughs> this is where it gets really good. So, so Elijah says, now, send and gather to me all of, of Israel at Mount Carmel. Num. Um, verse 19. Together with 450, 50, 450 prophets and, uh, of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah. So that's 850 prophets that were gathered. Who eat at the table of Jezebel. He says, okay. We're going to have a fight. It's time to battle this thing out. It's time to show who's God and who's not. Let's settle this thing once and for all. So Ahab says, okay, you got a deal. Let's go for it. So Ahab sent a message among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together on Mount Carmel. Now watch this, because this is where it starts. Elijah, Elijah um, came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two options? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal, follow Him. But the people did not answer with a word. Another translation says the people were silent. They said nothing. Elijah says, Okay, folks. How long are you going to keep dancing? How long are you going to hesitate between <clears throat> Baal and the true God? How long are you going to be between the two? The word hesitate means to vacillate, to waver, to teeter. How long are you going to be on a teeter-totter? Then God, then Baal. Then God, then Baal. It's, it's a great picture to see this is how people were living. And this is how many of us are living today also. We teeter-tottering with God. When it's comfortable, I'm going to be down on my own God thing, my own opinions, my own ways of doing. You know, but on Sundays, I'm going to be all about God. How long are you going to go back and forth? How long are you going to dance? How long are you going to keep hearing the same sermon? Every week, I'm going to start preaching the same one. And the sermon is, and the heart, and I want you to get the reason why we gather is because the purpose for me to speak to you about on Sundays is for you to have life with God in it. That's why I'm talking about this. Our church, one of our philosophies, is life is amazing with God in it. That's why I want you to have it. Because when God is removed, 
the enemy steps in and it might feel great in the beginning, but I can, I'm telling you, he's deceiving you because where he steps in, death will follow. Pain and hurt will follow. So how long are we going to go back and forth between God and, and our idols? Or oh, nothing. Not even Baal. Just nothing. Just me. So what Elijah's doing is, is, is calling on us to follow God. Calling you to, to follow God's revealed will for your life. And I've spoken about God's secret will and God's revealed will for a while. But God is calling you to follow His revealed will. His revealed will leads towards life. How long? And it says the people were silent. Why were they silent? Why didn't, say, why didn't they say anything? They were silent because they didn't want to commit. It's like if I have to go through every single person here and we have to start walking and say, okay, how many of you will say today, I'm going to commit my life in every area to God's ways. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a checklist. And you can go, okay, this is God's revealed will regarding every situation. And, and I'm going to ask you, so fill this out and get it back to me. You know how many times we've gone through counseling where we've given people a checklist to let us know where they are at in certain situations? And do you know what we get back? Nothing. Because you're scared to make a tick. Because a tick means you've committed. You've said something. You're not silent. So why were they silent? They weren't ready to commit. That's why I think many people today are silent also. It says the people were silent. They weren't ready to commit. Um, if you're not ready to commit, I want to say stop looking for a miracle and searching for a blessing. They said nothing because they weren't ready for the full commitment. So it says, Elijah, I alone am left the prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Elijah says, I'm outnumbered 450 to 1. How are those odds? And then he continues, he says, this is not to see how the numbers fare in my favor. I am ready to take my stand. God is looking for, for some who, even though you are outnumbered, are willing to take a stand who even though the other side might be more than you, even though it looks like you're outnumbered among your friends, amongst your co-workers, amongst your, your culture maybe. He said, I was outnumbered. The numbers did not shape up. But in spite of that, I have God. He continues on, he says, why don't you bring two oxen and let the 450 choose one oxen? Now, if it was me, um, sacrifices usually, they, they choose animals that are, um, don't have any deficiencies in them, there are flaws in them, don't have any broken legs or spots. Or, so, so they are perfect animals. So he says to the Baal guys, okay, you guys bring two oxen and you can choose any one of the two. So if I was part of the Baal group, I would probably go, let's get one ugly one that's like broken, like the legs are skew and the mouth is funny. And let's get one really good one because we're going to make sacrifices and we're going to give him a bad one to sacrifice. So, 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 so you bring two oxen, you can choose any one of the two you want. Um, put it on wood, put it on an altar, but don't put fire under it. And then you 450, you call on the name of your God and tell your God, Light the fire. Tell your God to light it up. And then I'm going to call on my God and let's see whose God is the God of fire. Now, Baal was the God of fire. He's known to be the God of the sun. So you would figure if Baal is the God of the sun, he's in charge of fire. This shouldn't be a problem for him. So he's challenging Ahab and the prophets at the very core of Baal's greatness. This is what your God is for. This is what he's known for. I will, let's see how good he is at it. And he's so confident in his commitment to God that he's standing up and he's challenging the majority. 
The nation is silent. They haven't chosen sides. But there's 450 Baal um, um, prophets and there's 400 Asherah prophets, 850 of them, and it's just him on his own. Man, do we need some committed Christians like that today? Oh my goodness. People that are so confident in their God that they don't mind being outnumbered. Because I understand that once God, the true God, is in the equation, numbers shift. Now, I have to make this point clear. Our commitment that we stand on is on God's revealed will. Don't get this part confused. This is not a political agenda. This is, I'm not talking about any of those things. Where we take a stand on this, we take stands on God's revealed will. See, Elijah was a prophet, meaning he spoke on God's behalf. He speaks God's word. He speaks Jesus. Jesus is God's revealed will. When we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus was the one that laid down his life for others. Brought truth. Brought healings, miracles, loved people, everybody. We know God's revealed will is you shall have no other gods, no idols. We know His revealed will is you should love your neighbor. We know Jesus said, I give you a new command that you would love others as I have loved you. So we know that's instruction. That's God's revealed will. How committed are you to His revealed will? When the world says, don't forgive or walk in offense, God says, love your enemies. When the world says, people who don't look like you, sound like you, think like you, have the same opinion of you. When the world says, it's okay, go slander them on social media. Go break them down because their opinions are different than yours. When the world says, let's make enemies of those who don't look like us, sound like us. God says, no. How committed are you to that? I'm sorry, like I want to get, like I feel like I'm angry about that. Because we sit in a church and in a body where we are actually fighting each other over nonsense. Not God's revealed will. If I'm in here sacrificing babies, by all means, attack me. But when it's about opinion things, come on, you are the body of Christ. When the world says, disrespect people, we love them. When the world says, store up for yourselves. Make sure you have enough just in case. Go hoard Walmart's meat department and toilet paper. Because you never know, you might run out. We say, let's be generous. Let's help others. Let's look after people. When the world says there's no right and wrong, we know what is right. Because God's Spirit lives inside of us. And He's the one that's guiding us through it. Committed. This is what Elijah was. He was committed to God's Word. Committed to us mean we choose to recognize that God is our source. Not the world. And I'm willing to stand and challenge the world with God's truth. I'm willing to do things differently than what the world is going to do it because it's in God's revealed will and I'm going to be committed to that even though it's not what culture would say or how they would do it. The world says porn, no problem. God says you're destroying your relationships. The world says sex outside of marriage, no problem. God says, you're setting yourself up. Why did God put those things in the Word? Again, I think there's many of us that always wonder, why does God put, like, don't have sex before marriage? Why? Because He knows it leads towards hurt and pain. So His, his instructions in the Bible is to protect you so that you can have an amazing life. That's the purpose of it. 
If, if you just look at stats and numbers, how many people have been destroyed with sex outside of marriage? And then sex inside of marriage, but not with your spouse also. <laughs> why does God say don't commit adultery? Because it ruins and destroys homes. That's why. So committed means I'm going to recognize God as my source, not the world. Meaning I'm going to follow his instructions. I'm willing to challenge the world's truth with God's truth. Because this is exactly what Elijah is doing. I'm going to challenge the rest of your truths with God's truth. And I'm going to live my life God's way. So it says, let's do this thing. That's what he's saying. And the 450 agree. And they took the ox and they prepared it in the name of Baal. And from morning to evening, they were saying, oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice. No one answered. And they leaped about the altar which they made. So they were like, they're like in there with their God now. Okay, go, okay, it's go time. Baal, let's go. Oh, Baal. Oh, Baal. I need some fire. Light the altar. Oh, Baal. Oh, great Baal. They're jumping around the altar. They're getting their praise on. They're like doing everything they can. In one spot it says they raved. How many have ever been to a rave? How many have ever worked at a rave? <laughs> they raved. They're jumping around this thing and nothing's happening. And there's no voice. Now, this is where the Bible gets humorous in verse 27. Because it says, at about noon, Elijah mocked them. But Elijah just standing there and he mocks them. And this is what he says. He says, why don't you call out louder? Call out with a loud voice. You are not screaming loud enough. He can't hear you. He says, but he is God. Maybe he's occupied. Maybe he's got another meeting going on and he can't get to you right now. So maybe that's why nothing's happening. Just give him a moment. Just keep calling out. And this one is very funny. I don't think I've ever heard a message on this, but if you kind of read or dig into what the meaning is here, maybe he's gone aside. <laughs> Do you know what gone aside means? Number two. Maybe he's gone number two. He's on the party. He's got Candy Crush going. Level 3,892, thank you, I just want to say. Right? Maybe he's doing a number two. <laughs> That's funny. Maybe he's on a journey. He's on a trip. He's taking a vacation. Perhaps he's snoring. Maybe he's asleep and you need to wake him up. So why don't you sing a little louder, praise a little louder, pray a little louder, wake up your God. Well, all that did was that really ticked them off a lot. Because verse 28, it says, They cried out with loud voices, and they cut themselves according to the custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out of them. Again, this would be a great movie. Um, when midday was past, verse 29, they raved. Here it is. They raved until the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come close. Come close. So all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, which has been torn down. Oh, this is the part I really want to get to. Now I want to stop you just for a moment because I want us to understand this. It says he repaired the altar which had been torn down. When do you tear something down? When you have no value for it anymore. Right? When would we break something down? Oh, I don't need that anymore. Just you can knock that down. I don't need it anymore. I've got no use for it. See, culture has told us to neglect God. 
it's, it's almost given us a path. And, and with God being removed from school and from, I want to say, even from, from games, from matches, from universities, from, from, um, from our government, from the way, when, when we remove him, we are saying, we don't need you anymore. We neglect you. We abandon you. We forget about you. There's no use for God. There's no use for God. And the question um, that, that I think many of us, may, maybe we don't have the answer was, why would they, or what would they do on an altar? This altar that's been neglected and torn down, what, what did they used to do on it? Sacrifices. They made sacrifices. Why would they make sacrifices? It's to deal with sin. Once again, I said the sin word in church. Sin, sin is, I want to say this again. It's not a oops. It's not a mistake. Sin is a specific word that God recognizes for us going against his revealed will. So they would make sacrifices for their sin. So what they were doing was having religion without dealing with sin. Because that's why the altar was neglected. See, Baal allowed sin. He was actually for it. We spoke about this two weeks ago. Accountability has to return. I believe accountability has to return to the church in general. The whole church organization. We are accountable to God first. And for many of us churches, it means we have to ask God to forgive us because we've made other things more important than our love for Him and our mandate to advance His kingdom. Church organizations became, unfortunately, voices for political stands. Voices that has disrupted marriage. Voices that has disrupted sexuality. As a general, the church has to repent from that. I really believe that. We've messed up. It's not our agendas. Jesus should be the main thing of the church. That should be what the church in general should be about. So I believe the church, we are accountable and we have to repent where we've messed that up. And the second thing is this body as a church and in our leadership and, and who we are, we have to repent because we get busy with things. So many times we get busy with stuff and we miss Jesus. But also the highest priority is for every individual here, every single one of us. You are accountable for the decisions you've made in your life. When was the last time you sat at the feet of the Father and you said, yes, Dad, I'm so sorry. Didn't follow your ways. Didn't follow your will. See, these people... They didn't want to deal with spiritual realities in their own lives because Baal, Baal let them go wherever they wanted to go. Baal let them do whatever they wanted to do. Let them say and act in any way they want to say and act. Baal did not put any boundaries or restrictions on them. And that's not the God they wanted at all. That's not the accountability they were after. It's good for Sunday. Some of it's really good until the pastor says something that requires me to change my thinking and my action because it's not aligning with God and His revealed will. No, Andres, just give me six days of the week. I'm going to do my thing. And Sundays, I'll hug God and I want the supernatural. But Mondays... I'm going to make out with my, my little idols that I have during the week. The spiritual issues were not addressed, and that's why he had to restore the altar. Listen, religion can't change you. Religion can't help you. And religion certainly won't bring heaven to earth. 
what you need and what I need is we need a relationship with God and that relationship is, is cleared out when we have this altar in our lives. And so Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. I wish you guys can come up. To whom the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel shall be your name. So Elijah, 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 um, his friends call him Elijah. So Elijah um, took 12 stones. He built an altar again. There were 12 tribes. He put the stones together. Uh, and he comes along and this is what happens. So, so with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He built, how did he do it? He built the altar again. He got the spiritual priority back in order. And unless we do that as a church, unless that's the main thing, every, everything else we are doing is we're wasting our time. He got the altar back the spiritual part back into church. We are not just gathering for the purpose to be here. If, if there's nothing happening on the inside of you now, this is just the gathering. He got the spiritual part back, the confession of sin and the pursuit of righteousness back into people's lives. The altar represents all of that. One more thing about the altar. Abraham is called the father of our faith. We know Abraham from the altar. He's the father of our faith. He's the first one that showed us grace. That God showed grace. This is how I'm going to lead my people. Abraham's the father of our faith. This is what Abraham, the father of our faith, did. He built an altar. And according to the Bible, in order to live a life of faith, one must first build an altar. Now, I'm not talking about going home this afternoon, taking 12 stones and building an altar. That's Old Testament. They did have altars like that. But we live in, in the New Testament. And Jesus was the final sacrifice for all our sins. So we do not have to come to the altar and, and put new sacrifices on there as payment for our sins. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that altar for judgment of our sins, that altar is no longer necessary in our lives. But... That's as it relates to judgment. As it relates to judgment, Jesus paid for our sins. But as it relates to relationship, as it relates to coming to God and talking with Him, and being with Him, it's like, like if Ermi and I are married, that's who we are. We are married. We're married. The two have become one. We're married. Now, within the marriage, I can do things that can hurt Ermery's heart. It doesn't make us unmarried, but I've hurt her. And because we are married, I will come and ask for forgiveness. Say, oh, I'm so sorry that I hurt you, that I did something wrong against you. Will you forgive me because we married? The first sacrifice of Jesus Christ, when you accept Him, you're a son and a daughter of His. You are a son and a daughter of His. But now you do things wrong. You go outside of His revealed will for your life. And I want to say this again. His plans for your life, they're good. But we do things outside of Him because we listen to culture and to people and to family and to everything else that there might be. And we break relationship with him I'm, it, I'm, I'm not breaking the sonship I'm still a son so for that to bring that restoration I have to build an altar with my God I go to the altar every day I go to him while I'm driving in the car it's my altar of confession saying God I'm sorry for thinking that way sorry for reacting that way sorry for responding that way it's my altar of confession I, I go to him when I'm on the treadmill running Andrew would say speed walking yeah while I'm on there I'm like God that's my time it's that altar, that place of going God I'm sorry that I, I did not do things your way I want to do things your way 
So every single one of us here, you are called to build an altar in your life. To bring that restoration, to remove that thing that stepped in where God is supposed to be. Let, let, let's finish reading what's, what's happening in the scripture. Um, so, so then Elijah says to them, okay, he arranged the wood, he cuts the ox into pieces, he lays it on the wood, and he said, uh, fill four pitchers with water and pour it, pour it on the burnt offering. So, so here's the, the ox that's been cut up. He says, take water, throw it on there, four pitchers full. And he said to them, okay, a second time, go get another four pitchers of water, throw it on the altar. Wet the wood, wet the ox, wet everything. He's not finished. He says, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So he prays at the evening sacrifice and he says, Oh Lord, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Israel. Now I want you to, to understand, his prayer comes after the altar of confession was built. Of saying, God, I'm sorry I'm doing things my way. I want to line up with your word. It's, it comes after the alignment of our opinions and our thoughts to God's ways of doing. It comes after. And now, look, so, so now he's making God's miracle harder on God. Because he's got such a confidence in his God because he knows the order has been restored. So he says, okay, pour water on, pour water, more, get more water, pour water on. And then he prays, oh Lord, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Israel, the covenant keeping God. Today, let it be known that you are God in Israel. I am your servant. And notice, I have done all the things at your word. I have applied your revealed will. When I apply your revealed will, God, your miracle is going to be so much greater. Let it be known what you will do when people are committed to your word and to you. Let it be known what you will do when people are committed to you and to your word. You will see the miraculous. When others have failed you, God says that is not a failure. I have a plan. I have a plan for the direction and the place where I want you to go. When you are committed to, you are not worried. Pour some more water on there. I don't care what you do. Put, put more water on. I'm not like the rest. I'm not dancing. I'm not going back and forth. I'm committed to your word. And, and, and he said, let it be known that I'm for real because I obey your word. In other words, God, your word has the final say over me, over my decisions. So it says, uh, I have kept your word. Answer me, O Lord. Verse 37, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back again. And the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, the dust. I love this part. And it licked up the water in the trench. It licked up the water around it. See, when, when God shows up, He shows off. That's nothing. So, I asked Bishop and them to, to prepare the, um, this, this specific song. At, while I was preparing this song, just somehow, it was actually an ad that came on YouTube. The whole song was an ad. I was, never had that before. Um, and... It spoke to me so much because this is the challenge that we are in the days of Elijah. My opinion. Unfortunately, we didn't sing the song this morning. But we will sing it next week. And the week after. And the week after. Because I've asked them twice. They skipped it twice. Now we're going to do it three times. Or there will be people who are fired. Just saying. Use it, don't use it. No, that's not the word of the Lord. Let's get back to where I was. So, so, so here, here's the thing. We are in the same days of Elijah. I really believe what we are seeing happening in the world is what, what's happened there. And this instruction from God's word is for us to navigate life throughout this time. How are we going to act and react during this time? I am committed to the word of the Lord. 
I am committed to His revealed will. I'm committed to doing things His way. Even when I don't agree, my character, what Montana said this morning, my eyebrow, when I'm looking at the person who drives bad, my eyebrow is going to reflect Jesus in everything that I do. I'm going to reflect Him. So what it requires from us is to understand that we have to start speaking Jesus into our lives. He said, I have said everything that you've commanded me to say. The question is, what are you saying over your life, over your family, over this country, over your neighborhood, over your occupation, over your job, over your studies? What are you saying? I want to encourage you. I want to I want to stir you up to start speaking Jesus. His revealed will. But speaking Jesus revealed will will only accomplish his will when you build that altar of saying repentance. I'm sorry for doing things my way. I'm going to line up with your way. So as, as they sing the song, I want to ask all of you to stand up where you are. Just stand up. And, and if you haven't done this for a while, I want you to close your eyes and just go, I'm coming to the altar. Father God, saying, I'm sorry, forgive me for my sins and my mistakes. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to be where you are. I want to think your way. I want to act your way. I want to speak your way. And forgive my conduct where I haven't represented you the way I'm supposed to. I'm committed to you, God. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church Audio Podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.